on the Mono Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the Week 3 NFL matchups and recap Week 2's matchups a little bit. It was a crazy week in the NFL. Uh, a lot of games decided by one possession. A lot of them came down to field goal kicking. Whether they made it or not, it came down to the field goals. Most notably, you had Zane Gonzalez of the Cleveland Browns missing both extra point attempts, including one that would have given the Cleveland Browns a 19-18 to lead in the final minutes over New Orleans, and a 52-yard attempt, his second miss of the game, that would have tied the New Orleans Saints as time expired and given them a chance for their first win in about two years. And their first win on a Sunday in three years since Johnny Manziel was on the team. Uh, another kicking uh, woe that was out there was the kicker Carlson from Minnesota missed three field goal attempts, including two in overtime. One as time expired, and Minnesota tied Green Bay. And uh, with the way that Chicago, we'll talk about them a little bit later, the way the Chicago Bears and their defense have been playing, the 2-0 Bears, that tie for Green Bay and Minnesota could come back to haunt both teams and could give the Chicago Bears an edge later on the season when it comes to winning the NFC North. The week started out in Cincinnati where the Baltimore Ravens fell 34-23 to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals second straight 34-23 victory. He had a big game uh, for Pat Mahomes in Kansas City starting off the 1 o'clock games. Kansas City beats Pittsburgh 42-37. to Second-year quarterback Patrick Mahomes with his six touchdown passes against Pittsburgh, giving him 10 through the first two weeks, an NFL record. Another highlight was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Bucks going to 2-0 with their 27-21 victory over Philadelphia, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Ryan Fitzpatrick had 402 yards, like I said, his second straight 400-plus yard passing performances, four more touchdowns for Ryan Fitzmagic and his uh, now infamous Conor McGregor-looking post-game uh, interview. That's a surprise 2-0 team. Not a surprise at 2-0 is the Los Angeles Rams. They were 34 to nothing victory over the horrible Arizona Cardinals. I feel bad for Larry Fitzgerald. With his contract extension there, he could he probably should have gone somewhere else because Arizona is going nowhere fast. That could be the first of several shutouts their offense throws up this season. The Houston Texans fall to the Tennessee Titans 20-17. to Deshaun Watson, despite 310 yards, goes over the 300-yard mark on a final play where... Trying to get into field goal range, the ball was snapped near midfield with 17 seconds left on the clock. Now, Deshaun Watson scrambled around and took that full 17 seconds off the clock so that by the time he was able to connect with DeAndre Hopkins into field goal range, the game was over. Like I, let me repeat that. 17 seconds were left on the clock when the ball was snapped. And that was the final play of the game. That's insane. And that's something that Deshaun Watson's going to have to work on and figure out, you know, little mental errors like that can cost you in, in a close game like that. 
props to the Tennessee Titans head, new head coach Mike Vrabel getting his first win as an NFL head coach. But uh, the 0-2 Houston Texans are going to have to bounce back fast. They did get Will Fuller back. He had 113 yards. DeAndre Hopkins put up his 100-plus yards on six catches and a touchdown. Fuller had a touchdown, too. That vaunted front seven for the Houston Texans has not really showed up so far through two games. The Los Angeles Chargers didn't do anything anyone didn't think they were going to do. They beat the Buffalo Bills, the lowly Buffalo Bills, and rookie quarterback, first-time starter Josh Allen, 31-20. Now, head coach... Sean McDermott took over defensive play calling in the second half, and the score is closer than the game is indicative of the game. But the Los Angeles Chargers didn't do much after halftime once McDermott took over the the defensive play calling responsibilities, but they were still able to win easily 31-20. to The Atlanta Falcons overcame 335 yards from Cam Newton in a nice comeback attempt. They were able to get a home victory, their first uh, victory of the year, to go to 1-1 with a 31-24 win over Carolina. The surprising New York Jets from Week 1 from Monday Night Football, where Sam Darnold bounced back from throwing a pick six on his first NFL pass to lead the Jets to 48 points, came back down to earth a little bit, kind of showed that maybe he's going to be a slow starter. He finished the game with 334 yards. But he didn't do much early. The Jets got down 20 to nothing. And at the end of the half, he had two kind of mental errors. One, he missed a wide open Quincy Inunua in the back of the end zone. Just overthrew him. Would have been easy six. Could have made it 20 to seven uh, going into the half rather than 20 to nothing. It almost looked like he was getting ready to just get sacked, so he was going to throw it out of the back of the end zone at the last minute. Maybe he saw Inunua and tried to take something off the throw, and it just didn't take enough off, and it went out of the end zone. And one play later, with no timeouts remaining, he completed a pass to the one-yard line where the ball was fumbled and then almost advanced into the end zone, and time just ran out. So two plays where they missed out on at least six more, seven, six or seven more points, and they ended up falling by eight to the Again, a little surprising, 2-0 Miami Dolphins, who after the uh, Patriots lost, we'll talk about that in a minute, are now on top of the AFC East. Like I said, they won 20-12. The Colts showed that Washington, although they dominated in Week 1, it was the aforementioned crappy Arizona Cardinals who they beat. And they were brought back down to earth in, in Washington. Washington was in their home opener, which only 57, 54, 57,000 people, I've heard both, uh, attended. I mean, think about this. The Washington Redskins had won on the road in week one, and they come home for week two, their home opener. And it's indicative of maybe this is a, maybe this is a movement. I kind of go off on a tangent here for a second, but maybe it's a movement where after 20, this is the 20th season that Daniel Snyder is on the team. And very rarely, if ever, has Dan Snyder shown that he is committed to doing what it takes to make the Washington Redskins a winning franchise. Now you have the Minnesota Vikings where Kirk Cousins, the old Redskins quarterback that they've been messing around with, giving him franchise tag, franchise tag, and refusing to give him the long-term deal he wanted. Well, Kirk Cousins just threw for 425 yards 
on Sunday, even though he, his team tied, uh, he did his part. Now, Alex Smith threw for 292 yards, but Redskins were up 21 nothing in the in week one, and Alex Smith looked good. Adrian Peterson looked good because they could commit to the run, you know, with the lead and run the ball. And I I told people, Alex, this is what Alex Smith will do. He can he's good at being up 21 nothing, but can he bring you back from down 21 nothing? Well, he showed that you know, not all the time and not really. He's not that kind of quarterback. And in Kansas City, he had a ton of weapons around him. He had Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, the fastest guy in the NFL. He had Travis Kelsey, outside of Gronk, probably the most athletic and the best tight end receiving-wise in the NFL. He had Kareem Hunt, rookie of the year from last year, in the backfield. So he had weapons around him. That's why Alex Smith looked good, but he's good at having a lead. It's harder for him to come back. And Indianapolis, after falling 34-23 to Cincinnati in week one, was able to go on the road and beat the Redskins 21-9. Andrew Luck getting his first win in a while after missing all of last year. Jimmy G, the wonder boy, after his coming off of his first loss in a start in his NFL career in week one, bounced back and held on to beat the Detroit Tigers, the 0-2 lowly Detroit Tigers, 30-27. to Matt Stafford threw for four, 347 yards, missed Kenny Galladay on what could have easily been another touchdown late in the game. But the San Francisco 49ers are 1-1 after their 30-27 victory with Matt Breida, in his 138 yards, he now leads the NFL after two weeks in rushing. The Denver Broncos pulled off a nice comeback in Oakland to defeat the John Gruden, the second time around John Gruden era Oakland Raiders, who are now 0-2, coming back from down 12-0 in the first half and to win 20-19. Funny story about this game for the gamblers out there. This weekend, you can gamble in, in New Jersey. FanDuel has a as an actual sports betting establishment. And they have real-time bets where you can make bets through the odds change as, you know, play by play by play. As soon as down when the when the Broncos were down 19 to 17 in the final minute of regulation, as soon as they got into field goal range, it was supposed to go the odds were supposed to go for them to win to minus 600. Instead, a glitch in the computer software made it show as plus 750. This guy, uh, a guy made a bet that would have paid out, was supposed to pay out $82,000 because he bet on that, on the, the glitch odds. The Denver Broncos win 2019 and he goes to collect and they say, no, this was a glitch. We don't have to pay out for a glitch. They did, however, ever offer him $500 and Tickets to three Giants games, but he said, no thanks. I'm going to get a lawyer and sue them. We'll see how that plays out. You know, a lot of times in Vegas, when things like this happen, they will pay the person and then just say, listen, we'll pay you, but you're never allowed to bet here again. And in this situation, I would take the 82 grand and say, fine, I'll go to another casino. I'll go to another uh, sports book. But the FanDuel establishment in New Jersey said, we're not going to pay you that. We don't have to pay for glitches, and he's going to sue. Unfortunately for him, or what could make this interesting, is that the FanDuel is owned by Paddy Power, a sports book that's based in the UK. So we will see how that all plays out. Biggest matchup probably of the week, 
the New England Patriots at the Jacksonville Jaguars, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship where the New England Patriots came back to stun the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not really stun them. It, it was, you know, you expected Tom Brady to make the Super Bowl, but Jacksonville had a, had a nice lead, and Tom Brady was able to come back in the fourth quarter and beat them to advance to the Super Bowl where they ultimately lost uh, to the Philly Special and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Jacksonville had their revenge on their mind, Blake Bortles said, hey, listen, guys, this year I can pass 376 yards in a 31-20 win, which wasn't even really that close. Keenan Cole had a nice one-handed grab on the sidelines, reminiscent of Odell Beckham's one-handed touchdown his rookie year. Tom Brady was up to his... It's funny, when Tom Brady's team is down, he gets really blamey. He points fingers, yells at his team, and some might see this as leadership. I kind of see it as when things, when he gets down, it's everybody's fault but his. Now, granted, they, the Jaguars said, listen, we're going to double-team Gronk, your best player, and you can beat us with Philip Dorsett. You can try and beat us with Philip Dorsett. You can try and beat us with other guys like that. He, they really miss Danny Amendola. They really miss... The suspended Julian Edelman. They really miss Brandon Cooks. They got they got a trade. They got maybe we'll see what happens. They got Josh Gordon from Cleveland in a trade. That was crazy. Comes out another side note. Josh Gordon comes out Sunday that he's gonna be released on Monday. And it sounds like you, you think he's had the problem with uh, with marijuana substance abuse in the past, drinking. And you think maybe there's a suspension coming, maybe that's why. It turns out the story is he was at a, a photo shoot on Friday, I believe, and pulled a hamstring running a 40-yard dash after he'd already been doing stuff for about 90 minutes and then was 10 minutes late to a team meeting on Saturday. And uh, they decided they wanted to cut him. It's funny, after they put up the Cleveland Browns, put up with Flash Gordon for five years through through suspension after suspension after suspension, including one where he missed an entire year. You know, there's one he missed two games and, and came back and in the final 14 led the league in receiving yards. And But then ever since then, he hasn't really had a chance to really show the old Flash Gordon ways. But they kept putting up with all the BS. And so now this is the final straw. It just seems weird. Unless maybe they're trying to change the culture and they figure we've got a better culture going here and we don't need this. Well, Bill Belichick swooped in, and like the like the bad boy project manager he likes to be, and they offered him, I guess they had about 10 teams off, made offers for Josh Gordon. The best one in, apparently was a conditional fifth-round pick, where if Josh Gordon does not play in 10 games for the Patriots, it turns into a seventh-round pick. Not a lot of risk. Seems weird that no one would offer more than that. But they have Josh Gordon now. Maybe that can help New England Patriots turn it around. But they fell 31-20 to to Jacksonville, and they are 1-1, one one, tied with the Jets for a second place behind the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East. The nightcap, the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Both teams were 0-1. One of them had to emerge 1-1. One one. The Dallas Cowboys did it as they were able to get to Eli Manning, who was behind a really crappy offensive line this year. He's a, he's another year older. He threw for 279 yards. They shut down Odell Beckham Jr. Saquon Barkley has shown through two weeks that he is a force to be reckoned with uh, as a running back. But even that being said, 
he, you know, he's got the he's got the power. He usually he seems to be able to make the first guy miss every time, and can make something out of nothing. He had uh, he 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 was the leading receiver in the game with 80 yards. Unfortunately, you still think even with him being that that good of a player, you still think maybe they made the the, the wrong pick and should have taken Sam Darnold, who the Jets took, because Eli Manning is going is he's never going to be even what he used to be. And you know, Eli Manning, you take away his two Super Bowl runs. What's this guy done? He's been Peyton Manning's brother, and that's about it. Take away Odell Beckham, Eli Manning probably would have been out of the league a few years ago. Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, they have weapons. Sterling Shepard, they need to get someone else in there. Eli Manning doesn't have it. Anyways, the Dallas Cowboys beat them, beat the the New York Giants 20-13. to Dak Prescott getting the victory. Ezekiel Elliott, 78 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Dallas is one and one. The Redskins are one and one. The Giants are zero and two, and the Philadelphia Eagles are one and one. There's a three-way tie at one and one for first place in the NFC East in what could be a down year for the NFC East. Monday night, the lowest-rated Monday night football game in years. Seattle at Chicago. Now, Chicago with Khalil Mack. Their defense looks like a playoff caliber defense. 24-17 final score. Wasn't even really that close. It was 10-0 most of the first half. Russell Wilson got them down in field goal range, made it 10-3 at halftime. And then it was 17-3 Chicago in the second half. Russell Wilson comes out with a chance to, to make it a one-possession game. He does. Throws a touchdown to Tyler Lockett in the fourth quarter. Next possession, chance to tie it, throws a pick six. Now, I was sitting, I was laying in bed watching this game. It was late, and I saw Rashad Penny split out wide at the bottom of the screen. And the way he was standing, the way he was looking back at Russell Wilson, I thought, they're going to go to Rashad Penny. And I thought, if I know this, I can see this with doing no prep, no film watching. Chicago's got to know. And what happens? Prince Amukamura reads the throw, picks it off, runs it back for his first pick six, first pick as outside of the New York Giants, first pick in 41 games, runs it back for a touchdown the other way. It's 24 to 10. Game appears over. And for all intents and purposes, it was. Seattle next time comes out. Russell Wilson scrambles and is trying to make a play, stripped and stripped on the run, fumbles. Chicago gets the ball back. They don't do anything. 24 to 10 still. Russell Wilson leads them on a 99-play touchdown drive after they were pinned at the one-yard line. Russell Wilson threw for 226 yards. Russell Wilson's a magician. He's making something out of nothing. You got Doug Baldwin with the MCL, the, the grade 2 MCL strain. He's out for at least another week or two. Paul Richardson's in Washington. Jimmy Graham's in Green Bay. Will Disley. Scored his first career touchdown. He's become kind of one of the go-to guys outside of Tyler Lockett for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, like I said, making something out of nothing. If that offensive line does not hold up for him better, I think he's been sacked 11 times through two games. You know, Russell Wilson's a strong guy. A lesser, a, a weaker quarterback, a less mobile quarterback might be dead. Seattle's got more questions than answers. They're 0-2. It's a tough 0-2. You know, opening up on the road at Denver, at Chicago. They got some work cut out for him. Russell Wilson, 
historically is a slow starter. Uh, last year, after three, after five weeks, he was QB eight, meaning the eighth best quarterback in terms of fantasy. If you want to look at it like that, finished at QB one. Year prior, after five weeks, QB twenty one, finished at QB ten. Historically. Russell Wilson doesn't get going, one, until he gets into Seattle. He hasn't even played at home yet, does this week, and week three. And he he doesn't get going until after week five. So that's uh, week two. We move on to week three now. Thursday night. Thursday night football is marketing itself as we got the great games. Well, week three maybe isn't a part of that. New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are o. One and one. The New York Jets are one and one. The Browns actually opened up as three-point favorites over the Jets. I don't know how you have a team be favored that hasn't won in years. But, you know, I'll take the Jets in points. I'll take anybody, and if if Cleveland's given points, I'll take them. That's been a block for years. We'll see which Sam Darnold shows, or we'll see which New York Jets shows up. The one that, that dominated the Detroit Lions? Or the one that looked lost at times against the Miami Dolphins. I think the Jets are going to win this one. Starting off on the Sunday matchups, you have the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Drew Brees and the Saints are 1-1, one and one, and they're lucky to be 1-1. One one. Atlanta is going to be a little more like the Bucks were in Week 1 against New Orleans, I think. And it's going to be a tough matchup. This is anyone's game, honestly. I would say... Unless New Orleans' defense shows that week one against the Bucs, where they gave up all those 400-plus passing yards, all those touchdowns to Ryan Fitzmagic, it could be a long week, and it could be a long season for a team that came in with, with Super Bowl aspirations after their near run to the NFC Championship last year save us to Hail Mary Stephon Diggs to Stephon Diggs' touchdown. This one's at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. A slight edge to Atlanta because they're at home. And because they looked better last week against the Panthers than the Saints did at against the Cleveland Browns. The Saints are 1-1, and, and both torchings have come at home. So I have a hard time believing that they're going to do that much better on the road. That being said, they have Drew Brees. Drew Brees is not the issue. Drew Brees can keep you in any game, especially when they're still going to, even though they're on the road, they're in a dome uh, in Atlanta. San Francisco at Kansas City. The 1-1 one one San Francisco Giants against the 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs with, like I said, Pat Mahomes. Ten touchdowns for two weeks. My money's on Kansas City. I think they're going to win this one pretty easily. But that being said, they have number one offense, number one special teams, worst defense, number 32 defense in the league. The defense is the only thing is gonna, that's going to stop the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I see, still see them coming away from San Francisco with San Francisco having to make a halfway across the country trip and play at 1, which would usually be 11 a.m. their time. Whether or not it's an issue, uh, I think I'm going to st- stick with the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes until I'm proven wrong. Oakland at Miami. I think Miami is going to be a surprise 3-0 and team because Oakland doesn't look like they are close to a win. They should have won at home on Sunday against the Denver Broncos, but they found a way to lose. Like Cleveland Browns seemed to find a way to lose. John Gruden could fall to 0-3 in this go-round, and that's year one of a 10-year contract. So that Oakland could be regretting that pretty quick. Uh, you know, not giving the fans a lot uh, in the final years in Oakland before they moved to Vegas. Miami and Ryan Tannehill uh, could be 3-0. and 
and could still remain on top of the AFC East. From hard, they're in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami on Sunday. So just another thing in the Miami Dolphins' favor. Buffalo at Minnesota. Minnesota opened up as 17-point favorites over Buffalo at home at U.S. Bank Stadium. Kirk Cousins coming off a 425-yard performance in his Week 2 tie. Uh, Buffalo's terrible, even with Josh Allen in there. They're terrible. This is an easy win. This is probably the lock of the week. This has got to not even probably. This is the lock of the week. There's no way the Buffalo Bills go to Minnesota and come out with a victory, especially considering the fact that LaShawn McCoy is dealing with a rib injury that he sustained when center Ryan Groy fell on his midsection in the second half on Sunday. Uh, didn't answer questions about it after the game. Said it hurt to talk. Not a good sign. Buffalo is terrible with him 100%, so they're going to be even worse with him. If he plays at less than 100% or if he doesn't play, they're worse. Minnesota, money in the bank. If you bet on them, look at it as an investment, not a gamble. The Indianapolis Colts at the 1-1. The 1-1 Colts at the 1-1 Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go with Philadelphia on this. Carson Wentz coming back from ACL surgery. They've been able to, to win the Super Bowl. And get to one and one with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz is back. Wouldn't be coming back if he wasn't ready. I don't believe. So I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles in this one. It's not going to be easy. I think they're going to come out. I think they have the slight defensive edge. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The one zero and one Green Bay Packers at the one and one Washington Redskins at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. I don't see Washington winning this game outside of knocking the already limping, throwing on one leg, Aaron Rodgers. I don't see Green Bay losing unless they lose Aaron Rodgers in this game. That's been the biggest mystery of the NFL season so far is what's up with Aaron Rodgers' knee? Wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the year or later in the year they announce that he has a torn ACL and is playing through it. He's not putting any weight on that leg when he throws. And once you tear your ACL, it's torn. If anyone in the league could play through a 20 ACL outside of Phil Rivers, who did it in the playoffs years back, it's Aaron Rodgers. This guy just signed a long-term deal with a uh, long-term extension with guaranteed money. No, and he missed most of last year. He doesn't want to miss all of this year, which if he if his knee is as bad as, as it could be, he would miss the rest of the season. Doesn't want to do that. Doesn't want to throw in the towel and miss two years. So I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Green Bay over Washington barring some sort of setback with Aaron Rodgers' knee. The 2-0 Cincinnati Bengals leading the AFC North at the Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this one. They're an opportunistic defense. They got pressure on But Cam Newton, Cam Newton doesn't have the weapons around him, I don't think. He's got Christian McCaffrey, but he's missing his security blanket, Greg Olson. He's 5-5 five and five in the past few years without Greg Olson. Much better record with Greg Olson. Greg Olson will be back for another month. I'm going to go with Cincinnati Bengals, who Joe Mixon, they've lost to a slight tear in a meniscus, lost him for a while. Giovanni Bernard is going to take over as the feature back, great receiving back. Andy Dalton has A.J. Green, who's three touchdowns against the Ravens last week in the first half. First quarter, actually. So three touchdowns in the first quarter. A.J. Green, he's always got that. He's got Tyler Boyd, who he's hooked up with a lot this year. Tyler Eifert's healthy. They have a lot of weapons. Cincinnati, you got to figure this is the make-or-break year for Marvin Lewis. I don't know what it takes to get this guy fired. Seven playoff appearances, zero playoff victories. 
zero, and he still has a job. I don't know what they see him. He won the Super Bowl as the Ravens defensive coordinator in 2000, 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Since becoming the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, seven playoff appearances, zero playoff victories. Doesn't matter if it was Carson Palmer. Doesn't matter if it's Andy Dalton. Zero. How does he keep a job? It's insane. Jeff Fisher held on in Tennessee for so long. And the best thing he ever did was lose a Super Bowl. Almost won a Super Bowl. But he did. He got them there. And they had some really good seasons. And they'd win some playoff games. Marvin Lewis can't even say that. Can't even say that. But somehow I think he's going to be 3-0 this year and going to be on top. So this is a make-or-break year for Andy Dalton, for, for, for Marvin Lewis. We'll see. But like I said, I think they're going to go to 3-0 this week. Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville. The only, pre, the only team that can be Jacksonville is the Jacksonville. If Jacksonville doesn't make mistakes, they could win every game they play. Their defense is that good. Like, if Blake Bortles can pass like he's been passing, oh, that's scary. If they get Fournette, Fournette, Leonard Fournette's supposed to be back this week. He should be good to go. So, Jacksonville firing all cylinders. Right now, I would say Kansas City versus Jacksonville in the AFC Championship. That's my pick. Los Angeles Rams versus the Minnesota Vikings are my guests for the, AFC, the NFC Championship. But I digress. Jacksonville over Tennessee at home. They're not losing at home. They're definitely not losing at home to Tennessee. Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens. Denver's 2-0. Baltimore is 1-1. Baltimore is at home. They're always good at home, especially in September, especially with a 10 days to prepare. My money, I wouldn't wouldn't put money on this game. Don't put money on Baltimore. I don't put money on Baltimore anymore. This this game to me is a toss-up. If the Joe Flacco from week one shows up, Great. They win. If the Joe Flacco from week two shows up, they lose. Joe Flacco has no excuses anymore. He's got probably the three of the best receivers he's ever had outside of Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith, senior. And you could throw Torrey Smith in there. But he's got Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, and John Brown. John Brown stretches the field. Michael Crabtree can catch the mid-range. And Willie Sneed gets whatever's left over. I've always been a Joe, a Team Joe guy, a Joe Flacco guy. I thought he was a great – I mean, he won the Super Bowl. That year was great. I went to that Super Bowl. I was there. Uh, I've been mistaken for Joe Flacco before. I'm about a foot shorter than him. Multiple times I've been mistaken for Joe Flacco. Maybe that's part of the reason I like him. He's Italian. He's a good Italian boy like me. That being said, some of what I've seen from him this year – you know, the way he, he doesn't really seem to want to mentor Lamar ja- rookie Lamar Jackson. Maybe he's a little scared for his job. You know, week one with the performance he put up, I thought maybe this is good. Maybe Lamar Jackson is pushing him. First time he's ever had a, a backup that's really pushed him. But when I see RG3 mentoring Lamar Jackson more than Joe Flacco, I don't really like that. You know, Aaron Rodgers said that the three years he played under or played behind Brett Favre in Green Bay, Brett Favre barely talked to him. But that makes sense. Brett Favre's kind of an asshole. But he he was a competitor, and one, the thing that Brett Favre had is, I've seen this, you know, when a quarterback throws a touchdown, watch it, most of the time when a quarterback throws a touchdown, he runs down the field. Like Brett Favre used to run with his hands up in the air like a touchdown signal, run down and celebrate with the guys right in the end zone. Joe Flacco, when he makes it, when he throws a touchdown pass, he spins, you know, does a fist pump, you know, celebrates by himself and goes to the sideline. 
some of the things, the more, maybe I didn't see him because I didn't want to see him. Maybe he, you know, Ravens fans, rightfully so or unrightfully so, whatever you want to say, a lot of Ravens fans don't give Joe a lot of slack. Joe Joe could throw for 500 yards, could go 47 of 50 for 500 plus yards and six touchdowns. And there's some Ravens fans out there who would say, well, yeah, but those three incompletions should have been complete. You know, so maybe part of it was of my, you know, being Team Joe was to be contrarian to say, ah, he gets a, doesn't get a fair shake. But, you know, the more I look at it this year, the more I see that maybe he's not the leader that I thought he was. Uh, this is a make-or-break year for, for John Harbaugh and Joe Flacco, in a way, because and he's got that contract. But if, you know, Ozzie Newsom's the GM's contract's up after this year, John Harbaugh, if they don't make the playoffs, and if they don't, they don't make a significant run in the playoffs, you know, you got to think, he could be fired. The new head coach, new GM might not, you know, might not be so high on Joe either. Might think Lamar Jackson's future is to get him in there now. So big year for the Baltimore Ravens in terms of their future, and in terms of John John Harbaugh's future and Joe Flacco's. So we'll see if uh, any of that shows up and see which Joe and which Ravens show up on Sunday. The New York Giants at the Houston Texans. Well, the Houston has this vaunted and celebrated front seven led by J.J. Watt. New York has a Swiss cheese offensive line. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans at home. I think Deshaun Watson just has more – just a better quarterback, and I think the defense, their defense is better. I think Houston's 0-2, New York's 0-2. Something's got to give. I think it's Houston. It's going to go – it's going to give Houston's way, especially since they're at NRG Stadium in Houston. All right, that's it for the 1 o'clock games Eastern time. Now for the 4 o'clock games. Los Angeles Chargers at the Los Angeles Rams. Put it in the bank. Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Chargers, could they beat the Rams? Yes. Rams are about a touchdown favorite. Playing at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, it's going to be the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams are probably the best team in the NFL right now, offensively and defensively, everything. You know, they got Todd Gurley. They got the best running back. They had the best kicker. That's That could be the weakness. You know, if luckily for them, they blow teams out because Greg Zerline, their kicker, Greg the leg, Probably the best kicker in the league outside of Justin Tucker in Baltimore. Had a groin injury. They're not going to put him on the IR. However, yeah, he is out for a few weeks. They kicked one field goal last week. It was a Sam Hecker, their punter. It was a 20-yard field goal. It was shorter than the extra point. It was, where, it was the old extra point from the three. And they went out and signed Sam Ficken. Or as I like to call him, Sam Bleepin' Ficken. Because I had Greg... Zerline in fantasy last year got me all the way to the finals. Wakes up two days before the the, the finals week starts. He's got a, a herniated disc in his back. Has to get surgery out for the year. So I stupidly pick up Sam Ficken, thinking, oh, he's going to have the same opportunities. And it's a good situation being in the Rams offense. First PAT comes out, he misses. Misses also misses his first field goal attempt. I lose the championship by one point. So Sam Bleepin' Ficken is the new kicker for the Los Angeles Rams. We'll see what he has this time around. I don't think it's going to matter because the Los Angeles Rams are that good. This is a tough test, tougher test than they've had between Arizona and Oakland but in their first two games, but they have won decisively in those games. Chicago at Arizona. Arizona, probably the worst team in the league. They're at home. Doesn't matter. Chicago's got one of the better defenses in the league, led by Khalil Mack, who they traded for from the Oakland Raiders before the season started. 
he's been a beast. He alone has done more in two weeks than the Oakland Raiders' entire defense has done. I take the Chicago Bears at Arizona. That's probably my number two lock of the week outside of Minnesota over Buffalo. Slightly ahead of Jacksonville over Tennessee. Then you have the final 425 game, Dallas Cowboys at the Seattle Seahawks in Century League Field in Seattle. Seattle's home opener. Dallas has a pretty good defense, better defense than their one-on-one record would say. But that being said, Seattle, Russell Wilson does well at home, but it could be a tough task. I don't know who wins this game. If I had to put money on it, I would say Seattle. I think Russell Wilson will pull something out at at the very end. But uh, this is going to be an ugly game. The Sunday night game, New England Patriots at the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia hosts his mentor and former boss, Bill Belichick. The Patriots are 1-1. Detroit's 0-2. No way New England falls to 1-2. I just don't see it happening, especially not to the Detroit Lions, who have not looked good outside of that pick six against Sam Darnold on the first play from scrimmage of the season. At Detroit, I don't know how Detroit sells season tickets. How do they sell season How do they or the Redskins sell season tickets to anybody? Insanity. So, again, New England's going to win that one. I think Gronk blows up after being held in check for a week. I think Tom Brady goes off after being held in check. I think Bill Belichick's going to put the pedal to the metal, and they're not going to let up. And I think New England's going to run away against Detroit. Monday night. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Surprising 2-0 Buccaneers. I think they moved to 3-0. Pittsburgh's in disarray. Le'Veon Bell uh, doesn't think $14-plus million on the franchise tag contract is enough for him to play. His teammates are turning on him because of his holdout after two weeks. You, know, you don't usually see teammates turning on the guy holding out for more money. But since he doesn't think that more money than his entire offensive line makes in a year is enough to play on, they're kind of turning on him. Not to mention, you have Antonio Brown, who's been missing team events, kind of gotten in a riff. You could see there was a lot of frustration for him on Sunday. Juju Smith-Schuster had a big day. 13 catches, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown. Antonio Brown didn't have much. And there was a play late in the game where... I don't know if Ben missed him or what, but he was kind of jawing back and forth with Ben Roethlisberger. The next play, Ben scrambles on fourth down for a touchdown to bring the the Steelers closer. The whole team celebrating in the end zone. The whole team minus Antonio Brown, who walked off the field onto the sidelines, did not celebrate. Then you had the former Steelers staffer early in the week calling him out, saying he should bless us, he should count his lucky stars that he's even that he was drafted by the Steelers and that he was given the chance. A lot of teams. Would not He would not be a star on any other team. They would not be the star he is on any other team. He tweeted out in response, trade me, we'll see, then skipped meetings. And he could be suspended, might be suspended, might not be playing anymore. Pittsburgh's in disarray. They're spiraling. I don't see them getting on track in Tampa with the, the fun and gun Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Ryan Fitzmagic. I see Tampa Bay winning this one on Monday Night Football at Raymond James Stadium. That's my takes for the week. Let me know what you think. My Twitter handle is at Sports. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of the Mono Sports Podcast NFL Week 3 edition. Have a great week, and uh, I'll see you next week. Shake, shake.
that you don't